good day and welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. This month has brought both dread and hope to us when it comes to the coronavirus pandemic. Cases are skyrocketing around the world including right here in Michigan. Some hospitals are already at capacity, and deaths are also beginning to surge again. This is all happening, of course, right before the holidays, when families plan to hold gatherings to celebrate. Public health officials say these gatherings themselves are the thing that are making the disease and the pandemic worse, and they are telling us maybe We ought to be canceling them. But we also got some good news recently. At least two vaccine trials look like they are highly effective at preventing the spread of COVID-19, preventing people from getting it in the first place. That is maybe the best news we've had all year. So today we want to talk about the latest coronavirus news and about the upcoming Thanksgiving holiday. And we want to hear from you about what you're doing. What do your plans look like for this year's holidays? How much have they changed because of the coronavirus pandemic? How different will next Thursday be? Thanksgiving Day, absolutely, without question, my favorite holiday of the year. How different will that look this year because we're just not really able to have the kind of gatherings with family and friends that we normally do. Give us a call or go to to Facebook or to Twitter to let us know what you're doing. There is already a really interesting collection of responses to this question on Twitter uh, under the hashtag Detroit Today. Just tell us what you're doing. How different is it going to be? What do your plans actually look like for next Thursday? There's lots of people, of course, still trying to figure that out. But uh, give us a call as well and let us know what your thinking looks like. Are you going back and forth between the idea of joining your family for the holiday or keeping things very small and very private in your own As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to, again, the WDET Facebook page or to Twitter where there is already a real conversation taking place about what people are doing for the holidays. And I want to welcome a pretty familiar voice to the conversation uh, this morning as well. Uh, Dr. Paul Kilgore is Associate Professor and Director of Research at the Wayne State University College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. Dr. Kilgore, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, and thank you very much for having me back. Yes, absolutely. So talk about this new surge in cases globally. Public health experts warned all of us that this was likely once the weather cooled off and people were back inside. Uh, At the same time, I don't think anybody quite imagined things would be this bad at this point. Things seem in many ways worse than they were in the spring. Uh, So remind us exactly why this is happening now, uh, and why weather plays a role, but why policy also plays a role in all of this. 
Well, Stephen, there's a couple key things to know about COVID-19, actually viral respiratory diseases in general, during the colder winter months. The first thing is that we know as people come indoors and as the proximity of individuals becomes closer, it's much easier for the droplets, the particles that we breathe out or cough or sneeze out, to move from one person to another. Those droplets become airborne, and when they become airborne, the virus particles in those droplets can be picked up by anyone in proximity to the origin of those droplets. So that's really number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is that in the wintertime with the lower humidity and the lower water content in air in general, the water droplets can actually travel, the, the respiratory droplets, I'm sorry, can travel farther than they would perhaps in the cooler, in the warmer summer months when there's higher humidity. Mm -hmm. So two things. One is the indoor proximity of people. The lower humidity also um, really promotes spread of viral respiratory infections. And one of the best things... Yeah, no, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that one of the best things that we can do right now is wear face covering and masks as, been re as has been recommended and that means indoors and when we're out and about um, where we may be uh, in contact with anyone, hand hygiene is the number two uh, exercise we need to do. And also the social distancing, that six-foot distance is really key to maintain uh, throughout our activities when we go out and also with um, the holidays coming up. Uh, so, so we started to see this surge when it was still pretty pretty warm out. I want to say it was late fall uh, or late summer. Uh, and I think there's still this, this real question in people's minds about whether we did things the right way in the spring and the summer to make sure that the surge this fall, which everybody understood would probably come, wouldn't be as big as it is. I mean, the numbers that we're seeing right now in terms of new cases, in terms of hospitalizations, and then, of course, in terms of death, seemed to be far beyond what we were preparing for. Did we do things the right way in the spring when we shut down? Uh, and and then did we do things right when we opened back up? Did we open up too fast? Did we open up too much? And that And what role did those decisions play in what we're seeing right now? I think we did, Stephen. And I think what we showed back in the spring is that when the measures that we put in place, the hand hygiene, the face mask wearing, the face covering wearing, the social distancing were actually put in place, that actually helped uh, reduce the transmission. The other key thing I think to know, and, and we've seen this in other places too, is that uh, the fatigue of all the things that we need to do to stay safe and healthy is real. And I feel that myself sometimes, and I realize that in, even in the summertime, uh, when I was out and about, I noticed people were not maybe as rigorous as they uh, should have been when they were in close proximity to one another. And I could see people not wearing masks, uh, not maintaining distance. And, and we saw this on TV as well with the gatherings in the summer parties and things. And, and that continued into the Labor Day holiday as well. And so that fatigue is real. And, and now we have to, I think, rethink and reconsider these interventions and make sure 
that we're doing all these things again. And that's especially true with the Thanksgiving holiday coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone's call. And tell us how you're reacting to the surge in coronavirus cases, uh, the surge in hospitalizations. Uh, is that affecting your life right now? We'd love to hear how, if that's true. Uh, and also give us a call and let us know what you're planning to do for Thanksgiving, for instance, which is a week from today, uh, a traditional time when we get together with family and friends, uh, have great celebrations together. This year, public health experts are saying we should not do it the same way we normally do, that uh, it should be significantly pared back, if not canceled altogether. Give us an idea of how you're managing through that. What are you planning to do if you're not going to get together in large numbers with family and friends? Are you coming up with innovative ways to celebrate with those people anyway? Or are you just pulling back and doing something much smaller? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Dr. Kilgore, before we go to phones and and social media, uh, I want to get your idea of what people should be thinking about as we head into Thanksgiving next week. Uh, The state has banned gatherings of more than one household at a time, which suggests to me that that it's really the the options are real limited for people. But uh, what advice uh, would you give to people about about that holiday? So, Stephen, that's a great question, and I think one of the things that people should know about, first of all, is there's a great resource at the CDC website. Uh, This is cdc.gov, and what they can do is type into Google or another search engine, holiday celebrations and small gatherings, and there's some really great information there. I won't have time to go through all of the key recommendations, um, but if you look at the holiday celebrations and small gatherings recommendations, there are several key things that would lead to changes in people's holiday gatherings. Uh, one is just the size of the gatherings. So keeping it to your family uh, that's already in the household would be a wise thing. Mm-hmm. Bringing in new family members from outside also opposes the potential for introducing COVID-19 into a family and, and increasing the risk of transmission. Also, setting up your household so that when you do gather, um, if there are individuals coming in that are from a nearby, your your close family, main, being able to maintain social distancing and also um, reminding people that even in the household, when they're inside, to wear a mask when they're not eating. So face covering and mask inside uh, when not eating is something they should definitely do. Mm. Another thing is the hand hygiene and and hand washing is very important, Uh, of course, during food preparation, but also before eating and after eating, before and after toilet use. All all that's very, very important to maintain uh, great hygiene within the household. And then, of course, when people are indoors, um, realizing, depending on where they live in in Michigan or in the country, the temperature is going to vary, but to the extent that people can keep good airflow in the area where people are uh, gathering and making sure that, if possible, a window could be open to maintain airflow 
um, and help um, ensure that any droplets that are in the air get uh, uh, disseminated quickly and, and do not get exposed uh, to a lot of individuals in the household. There's a couple other things I wanted to bring to people's attention, Stephen, that are very important. Um, one is that, um, as you mentioned earlier in the show, we have some early results from vaccine trials. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's very interesting is that both the Moderna vaccine and the Pfizer vaccine showed very good vaccine efficacy in the interim analysis, um, well above 90 percent. Mm-hmm. So that's very encouraging. It's a definitely cause for optimism. I also wanted to bring the attention for folks in the Detroit area, for sure, that we do have an ongoing vaccine trial uh, that's for the J&J vaccine. Uh, we're really enrolling right now, and people can get more information if they go to our vaccine trial website. It's actually at henryford.com, and after that, forward slash J&J vaccine. So Henry Ford, all mm-hmm. one word, dot com forward slash J and J vaccine. There they can actually fill out a form and sign up for our pre-screening and we can get them into our system so we can contact them and, and talk to them about visiting us here in the clinic. I'm actually in the clinic right now mm. and we're actively enrolling for this trial. It's a one dose vaccine. And so it's different than the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine in that regard, where Pfizer and Moderna are two-dose vaccines. Right, right. Um, I want to get to listener comments. We've got a lot of people who are talking about what they're doing. Krista on Twitter says, uh, all indoor family gatherings and dinners canceled. Parade watching downtown, one of my favorite things from this time of year. Of course, it's canceled. You cannot go see the parade, although you will be able to watch it on television. Uh, Krista says they are thinking about having an outdoor-only dessert potluck, which would include 10 people in total and be done in an hour. They would social distance and wear masks when not eating the pies. That's a pretty that's a pretty innovative way to, to, to think of it. Uh, Greg on Twitter says doing an outdoor open side tent for less than 10. Fire pit off on the side to keep warm masks not traditional but still a time to give thanks uh claudia on twitter says stayed home last year because of family political disagreements staying home this year because of political ineptitude Uh, i think a lot of people uh, feel that way as well uh tina on twitter says no family get-togethers for thanksgiving christmas and new year's eve and day and we're all okay with this. Uh, let's go to Madeline in Metro Detroit. Madeline, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. Um, I'm really perturbed, you know, why we go way, way of an, an invented holiday, which there will be more of if we survive this microscopic thing. Yeah. <laughs> we should uh, get some humility and remember the species mm. that... 100 species a day we lose because of our actions. Mm. Yeah, well, Madeline, that is one way to look at it. I am not, I guess I am not somebody who, who thinks uh, it's a minor issue to, to cancel these kinds of plans because, uh, because I enjoy them so much and because I think that there is something bigger than just the, the holiday itself, whether you are uh, really into the holiday it, itself or not. I think 
the idea of getting together with the people who are closest to you uh, is one of the things that makes uh, that makes each year and this time of each year really really special. But I do hear you. We gotta keep it in perspective. It's one year. It's one Thanksgiving or one Christmas, and and there will be many more if we if we do what we're supposed to do and can get past uh, this point of the pandemic. Uh, but Madeline, I appreciate the call and the comments. Let's go to Amy in Hamtramck. Amy, what's on your mind? Um, hey there, Stephen. I, I am one of the folks that is having the difficult conversation with their family that's still planning to get together. Mm. Um, and just last night, I had to let my dad know that I, I'm not comfortable with that. Um, but an important caveat in, in my circumstance is that uh, a lot of my family actually had tested uh, positive and has already made it through this virus. And so they believe that it, they still can safely gather. And I'm, I'm wondering if, if your guest mm. Um, is able to provide any insight on that or or if we know of any insight about how uh, that might decrease the likelihood of carrying this um, for folks that, that have already tested positive and believe it's still safe to get together. That's interesting. So in other words, they, they believe that they have some level of immunity because they've already they've already had the virus. Um, Amy, let me ask also, what what's that been like? Before I get to Doctor Kilgore, what's that been like with the number of people in your family who have tested positive for COVID? Scary at varying levels, uh, because in fact, I guess I'm I'm speaking maybe inaccurately. I only had uh, two family members that actually got a positive test. Okay. Uh, the the others had all the symptoms early on, but it was too early uh, when tests were not available. Okay. Um, but we're, we're about 99% sure um, that they had had that that's it. That's what they had, yeah. Yeah. And they've all been able to make it through, though. You haven't lost Right, anything. right. We've been yeah. really blessed that no one no one uh, has succumbed to the virus. Yeah. Um, we've all made it through. Well, that that is... That is good news, uh, of course, Amy. Uh, and I appreciate the call and, and the comments. It's a great question, uh, Dr. Kilgore, what about the idea of immunity? If you've got a family where it seems that a lot of people have already had the virus, is it safer to get together? Do you have to worry about all of the things that uh, public health experts are warning us about? So, Stephen, here's, here's what I would recommend and, and a couple of things that people should know. One is that COVID-19 illnesses um, with reinfection have occurred. So individuals who once had COVID um, recovered and then again got COVID-19 a second time have occurred. These, these have been identified and studied. We're still learning more about them uh, because we don't fully understand the immune profile that's occurring over time. But one of the things to know and what I would recommend is even if someone has had documented COVID-19 in the past and they're gathering for this holiday, wearing face covering hand hygiene, social distancing are going to be key for them as well as anyone else gathering with them. The second thing is that when people are wearing a mask, many times I see individuals just having the mask over their mouth. I would strongly urge anyone wearing a face covering to make sure their nose is covered as well because the COVID-19 virus really likes your nose. There are receptors in your nose in the olfactory uh, system there in the nose 
that can pick up the virus very quickly because the density of those receptors is very high. Mm. The other thing I would say is for individuals who have had symptoms in the past but didn't uh, get a COVID-19 test and uh, were suspected cases, this is something that we see a lot, and it's not uncommon at all. In fact, the numbers that you see reported to state health departments and CDC and nationwide, like at the Hopkins COVID-19 dashboard, are likely a substantial undercount of the true number of cases. Because we haven't had comprehensive testing throughout the pandemic, and not all locations, even today, have access to COVID-19 tests. I do have one thing I wanted to point out, too, though, Stephen. For anyone in the Detroit area that would like a free COVID test, they can go to the henryford.com forward slash free COVID test website and learn more about where they can go for a free COVID-19 test. Yeah. don't have to pay anything. Yeah. So henryford.com forward slash free COVID test. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Dr. Paul Kilgore. And we want to continue to hear from you. What are you planning for Thanksgiving next week? Are you getting together with family and friends? Uh, Are you trying to do it in a way that's different and safe given the pandemic? Or are you withdrawing from all of that? Pulling back and saying, let's have something very small and limited to your immediate household. Uh, As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter. We'll work you into the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. My guest is Dr. Paul Kilgore, Associate Professor and Director of Research at the Wayne State University College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. We're talking about Thanksgiving, just seven days away, and the changes that are going to be necessary for our celebrations because of the pandemic and the surge in COVID-19 cases. Uh, We would love to hear from you about what you're planning for next Thursday. Call and tell us about your Thanksgiving. What's it going to look like? Has the pandemic changed your plans? Uh, Has it uh, has it made you uh, scale back in a significant way? Um, what's your reaction to the state's decision to limit gatherings to uh, two households? I had said earlier that it was one household, but it's just one other household uh, than yours uh, and 10 people. Uh, does that work for you in the context of this holiday? Uh, does that uh, make the holiday as festive as it would normally be or Uh, Are you worried that uh, things won't quite feel the same? Uh, Give us an idea what you're trying to do to keep you and your loved ones safe uh, as we get into the holiday season. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, 
and uh, we will work you into the conversation. Uh, Dr. Kilgore, I want to talk a little more about the vaccines that uh, that are that are underway and could be in our in our lives pretty soon, it seems. Um, uh, how soon do you think that that will make a difference for things like Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and and gatherings? I mean, how soon will it return our lives to what we used to know as as normal? So, Stephen, uh, the timeline for the vaccine review and approval is such that I think we're looking really into 2021 when we're going to see a substantial change in transmission due to introduction of the vaccine. So the timelines right now for the two uh, front-running vaccines, the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine, is such that they will be applying for what we call the emergency use authorization to the FDA probably within the next couple of weeks. Once that goes in, it gets reviewed by the FDA committee, the Verback committee, and they're an independent uh, uh, expert panel that's going to look at all the data, and they're going to make a judgment as to whether or not the EUA should be issued and, uh, and approved. Once that happens, the CDC will be poised with the committee called the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices to review the data again. And they're also going to look at the logistics and planning around deployment of the vaccine for different groups. And certainly we know that the, one of the top priority groups are going to be healthcare workers. The other priority group are going to be those uh, other essential workers, for example, first responders, police, fire, EMS will be important. And also, of course, individuals with underlying medical conditions that may put them at increased risk for severe COVID-19 that may, may lead to a hospitalization or death. And how much should we be trusting this process? Uh, and I don't say that I don't say that with any any skepticism on my part, but I, I think th- there is this question of how quickly all this uh, all this has unfolded and how much we could know, for instance, about side effects or long-term effects of a vaccine uh, after trials that will unfold over a matter of weeks or months and not over two years. I mean, if you think of uh, the, the ways in which we normally develop things like this, it's a much longer time frame, and that gives people, I think, a little more confidence that we know exactly what it is we're doing. How worried should people be about that? There are um, a couple of important points. One is that in the vaccine trials themselves, one thing I can tell you is the process by which we bring people into the trial is extremely rigorous. They go through a very, very comprehensive screening process, informed consent process, and also the, follow- the administration of the vaccine or placebo and the follow-up is extremely comprehensive. So if we identify any adverse events in the trial, we do uncover those quickly and investigate them. As the data are being gathered for all vaccine trials, they're being reviewed by what we call an uh, independent data safety monitoring board. These are scientists who are not connected with the manufacturer. They're not connected with the FDA. They're not connected with the investigators at all. And their job is solely to review all the safety data and the immune response data 
from the trials to make sure that the data are sound before it gets reviewed by that committee I mentioned at the FDA. Once that review occurs and they're comfortable with it, they're going to pass on their interpretation and it goes for further analysis um, looking at vaccine efficacy. So that's happened already in Pfizer and Moderna trials. They're now moving into the final analysis for Pfizer and Moderna trials. So that's very encouraging. But there's going to be another level of review. The Verback committee that I mentioned at the FDA, um, one of the members is actually Professor Arnold Monto, who is a world expert in viral infectious diseases. And he will be part of that panel. It's a panel of independent experts that's going to be reviewing the information from all the trials and taking a very, very close scrutiny of all the data. When they review it and they issue an opinion, we're going to find out what the trials found and results. So we're going to know from them. I feel confident that the process, um, as I've seen it take place for other vaccines, and this time is going to be quite sound. The other thing to know, Stephen, is very important, is that even if the approval is issued by the FDA for these vaccines, there's going to be what we call post-approval or post-licensure surveillance and follow-up of not only the trial participants, but also individuals in the general population who receive these vaccines. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have a lot of safety data gathered over time, even into next year and 2022, on how the vaccines are performing when they're given in the general population. And that's key information to help build confidence and make sure it's transparent and knowing about the safety and efficacy of these vaccines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got these polls that suggests up to half of Americans are somewhat skeptical about this and might not want to get that vaccine when it first becomes available. It's it's information like what you were just sharing that I think uh, we need to make sure people have so that they so that they do have trust in in the in the process and in the idea that this is a step forward um, <clears throat> in terms of uh, dealing with the pandemic and not one. That goes back. Uh, let's go back to the phones and to social media here. Let's go to Mark in Fraser. Mark, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me on. Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> um, well, I was just calling in. I had two things I wanted to discuss. One was that I am from a family of five kids, um, you know, all adults, and we all have kids, uh, but we're the only family who's not. Uh, going to the family gathering mm. this year, they're they're all gathering together, um, but we've decided to stay, you know, and just have it with our own family, immediate family in wow. our house. Um, so uh, we haven't felt any pressure from them, but we have seen, you know, that their bubbles are starting to expand a little bit as they go along and you know some of the people in their bubbles have tested positive so you know we're kind of wary of things like that you know that that's really interesting to me that that they are all comfortable with the idea of getting together um talk to me about why they why they are in other words are they just not not convinced that there is the heavy risk or they're willing to take that risk in, in order to be together. Well, I, I don't think I don't think anybody nobody's a denier. Um, 
Uh, so it's, it's not a matter of that. I, you know, the family has always been, had multiple gatherings and we've, we've done a lot of stuff outside distance, you know, when things were, uh, good, but then, you know, recently we tried having something in in a garage with the main door open, Mm -hmm. you know, but then we found out that somebody who came tested positive and even though we were distanced, that just kind of scared us. Um, so, and I think that was, that is their, that is the plan is yeah. that it's going to be in a garage with the door open, yeah. but with heaters on the inside, but we still aren't, aren't comfortable with that. They're feeling that's kind of like a good compromise as far as right. safety, yeah. but we're just not comfortable with that. Yeah. No, Mark, I really appreciate the call uh, and sharing your family's uh, story about next Thursday. Dr. Kilgore, how good of an idea is that to say, okay, the state says two households, uh, no more than 10 people, but what if we had it under a tent outside? What if we had it uh, in a place where there are lots of open windows? Can we come up with, you know, uh, I guess amendments to those rules that still that still make sense? Uh, as Mark says, his family is still going to get together. They're going to make sure that they try to do it in a way that is safer. But it does 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 that does that work with a virus like this? So I really like Mark's approach to this uh, Thanksgiving, and I agree with their approach of keeping to their own family uh, this year. And with the larger family gatherings, the more extended family gatherings, there's always a chance, always a risk for transmission. And one thing important note is that when we have individuals out in the community, out and about, and we test people, 10% of the people that we test are asymptomatic. So in a large family gathering, there is a chance that someone could be there who is COVID positive, but is actually asymptomatic and could spread. Uh, Based on the CDC recommendations and your earlier commenters and on uh, social media pointed out the outdoor gathering approach and Mark as well. I, I do like that. I think that's a good strategy. Um, However, I would still limit it in the number of families that are gathering. And I would also make sure that it's well-ventilated. People are maintaining masks at all times and they're not eating. Don't share utensils. Make sure there's good hand hygiene equipment around. And also, I would make sure that when people are gathering, they're trying to maintain and really working to maintain distancing of six feet, even if they're outdoors. And of course, one of your earlier commenters pointed out that they're limiting the duration of the gathering. And if it could be limited to an hour or less, that's, that's great. Um, that's very difficult, obviously, in, in a meal gathering. But the outdoor environment, I think, is a, a good strategy. But I do like Mark's approach this year of just kind of keeping to his own family because we really don't know um, when we meet up with people who we haven't seen in a while where they've been um, whether or not they could be asymptomatic and actually able to shed the virus. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dr. Paul Kilgore, uh, it is always great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. I'm really glad you were able to join us for this conversation. Thank you very much, Stephen. Great to be here. Yes. Okay, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk with the leader of the Kresge Foundation here in Detroit about the organization's new racial justice grant initiative. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.